Hi, this is Jean Marini, and I'm here at Hollywood Real with Jay Menez. We talked about a lot of different topics that I know for a fact you're going to love it. So stick around and check it out. Peace. Gilles. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, are we doing this? Yes, we are. <laughs> See, this is a pandemic thing. That's the pandemic. That's the a, elbow. And yeah. No, we good. We All good. right. We good. All right. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. I really appreciate it. Yes. Well, thank you for taking the time. My pleasure. It's the least we can do. Uh, before you showed up, I did some catching up on you. Spine? Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry what you what you came across. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that uh, a lot of my work are not geared toward men at the beginning of my career. So I apologize for whatever you saw. <laughs> well, it was very fascinating. Uh, let's see. People Magazine, mm. Sexiest Man Alive, huh? Yeah, that was funny. That was that was one of the uh, the things that my mom loved the most in my entire career. She has that little magazine and she keeps showing it. I don't know if this thing's still standing, and it's not like completely powdered dust. But uh, she she loves to to tell the world that. <laughs> What's your take on that whole thing? Um, I think physicality for uh, the society of nowadays it's a little bit more important and it takes a lot of of uh, of space, and I think it shouldn't be. Uh, and on the other hand, um, having, because I think people sexiest men alive doesn't really mean the beauty of the person, but more like the, a bit of a, the everything else they do uh, with their lives. And so I was really, uh, I was really honored. And, um, and it was when I was cuter and younger. So I did it, I'm happy, and I move forward. No, you know, you, you are improving with age, I'm sure. I like, like, Bottle of white French wine? Yeah, okay, maybe. Wine, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Hopefully. Is that what they say? Hopefully I have a couple more years to go and we'll see what happens next. Yeah, you know, the term sex symbol kept coming up over and over again. Mm. And certainly it helps in modeling. Uh, but in acting, did it ever uh, hinder you from getting the type of roles that you really wanted? All the time. All the time. It's actually uh, my first acting coach, you know, he just passed away. Vincent Chase uh, told, told me, Gilles, um, you have that, you always love to speak French and English and Italian, Vincent. Very, very famous uh, acting coach. He was saying to me, you have a je ne sais quoi in front of the camera. You have something that makes the camera uh, loves you. Um, you're going to have a great career. The only issue you're going to have is the fact that you have a leading man um, physicality. So it will stop you quite a bit because... You're just starting your career. So it could be a problem down the line because of your physicality. As much as you think it could be a good thing, it's also quite a bit of a bad thing sometimes. So it, it was absolutely right. Um, in a movie, you don't see five good-looking people. I mean, sometimes you do, and it's a bit, a, a bit on the nose, but uh, they're always going to be the, the leading man, the star, and then everybody else. So it, it did put a little stick in my wheel um, for the last 12 years now. But... If I look at the average, it helped me also quite a bit. So I don't really know which feet I can dance on that one. But uh, you are who you are. I never used my physicality to gain anything. I thought that my mom told me when I was very young that it's only 10% to open the door. That door is very important to open. So your physicality will give you that. And then if you're an ass and you get into that door, the door is going to slam back at your face. And the 90% work would be used. What's hit important. you in the ass. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So that was that was the first lesson with me. So it's important and not important. It's what you have inside that is really truly what matters, I believe. Yeah, and it seems that soap operas, especially, seem to be full of the pretty people. I know, I know that, and also got to give them so much respect. You know, I've done different genre of of acting, of course, from dramatic to comedy to a little bit of everything, but stand up comedy, and. Uh, I believe that the top five most difficult thing to do is probably soap, daytime acting. It's an enormous amount of line that you have to perform one shot. And that is the reason why you see them there. It, it's, it's impossible to start moving around. The camera angle, you're shooting an entire hour film a day, sometimes two. I don't know how they do it. I did it for, for about a year and a half. And that was... That was amazing. I learned quite a bit. I, I can now look at a page and, and be much better with it. So I give them that for sure. 
Yeah, they're shooting like how many pages they shoot a day? An entire hour long script. Wow. Every day to film. It's nothing else that they give you, they give the audience a film every day. It's an hour show. When you shoot a normal show, like when I was on Brothers and Sisters, it will take eight to nine days total, the weekend in the middle or whatnot. You shoot one to two episodes a day. So it's insane. Sometimes you have like two scripts and you, oh, which one we shoot there? So um, I, I give them all the respect. What they do, it's, it's very difficult. And a lot of times I, I imagine that you're out there doing these lines and you know you could have done it better. And that's, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. And like, ah! I say, ah! doesn't matter. They get it. I'm like, oh God. So also this is why uh, that true respect is not yet given to those actors. And I don't know why. In Hollywood, it, it, seriously, I don't think many actors can do what they do. And if they say, oh yeah, it's easy, I'd love to see them do. You know, the big wigs, the, the, the super uh, good actors that you do. It's like eight pages, three months shoot. You're good. You got plenty of time to make it really good. And you better make it really good. Now, 60 page a day, and you got to do it in one take, go have fun. And a lot of, a lot of actors, uh, sometimes including me, I will say, well, that will compromise our talent. But yet, this is the format. You want to do it, you do it. You don't want to do it, you don't do it. Well, it's like getting thrown into the fire. You'll adjust and... Adjust. <laughs> For like um, two or three hours of intense work, just talking, talking, talking. It will take me countless hours of rehearsing. When you get to work on the soap, you don't work no more. The work has been done way behind the scene, way before. When you get there, you have to be so ready. I have never experienced that. The only time that I felt that pressure will be on Dancing with the Stars because you have a minute and a half to, to show the world that uh, you don't have two left feet. And I'm very competitive in the sense of I don't want to look like an idiot. So it took me a lot of rehearsal. Mm. Way more than even when the light was shutting off. I knew I was not supposed to do it, but I was rehearsing another five, six, ten hours. I, I didn't care. I wanted, I, I, I was... My body was shot every time we every time we reached Monday night. I was like going, going, going. So it, 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 soap soap is the same, but you don't have that physical thing that you need to play on. But the mind, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if a soap actor doing thirty years on the soap. I don't know what kind of damage is going to bring to him, to his brain because it's insane amount of words that you need to retain. All my respect. Yeah, is there a lot of ad libbing in this? Or they want you to stay. No, you you, you stay on, on. Of course, if you make a mistake, you, you you meant the same. You get away with it. Especially there's one take, sometimes two. You gotta get it. Mm. You know, you, you you gotta get it. It's the way. It's the name of the game. So they're filming all those rehearsals on Dancing with the Stars, and you're saying that even after that, you were yeah. you were in there five or six hours. What I was doing, I'm gonna tell you. I don't care anymore. What are they gonna do? Sue me. Uh, I was uh, I was I was dancing with Cheryl, and I was taking Cheryl to to as deep as deep water that I, that is possible. When she would be like, um, "Okay, we done, we have it," uh, I, I was still worried and wondering. She she was telling me, "You good, you got it." She was trying to reassure me that I was good, and I was okay, okay. Then I would leave because finally, when you take off, the camera come, stops because you're not there. You go into the home. I was directly going to LA Fitness back in the days. And I was asking the manager uh, whenever the, the class are done to shut the lights. And there was pillars in the middle that I have to remember in my brain. And I was doing my routine with eyes closed all the time. So I need to really having the dance and the emotion and the thoughts very free in my mind mm -hmm. to be able to be a second nature, like to perfect it in a way. Mm -hmm. Some, you need to perfect something you never touch or even knew how to spell it four days prior. You don't know anything about the dance. I mean, I didn't. I'm not like a professional dancer going on professional dancing on Dancing with the Stars. I'm not an athlete or a dancer or an ice skater or a gymnast. I've never followed one choreography in my entire life. So it was like, huh? Paso doble is French? I thought it was Spanish. You know, I learned quite a bit of things. And I emerged. I created those characters every week. And I was, my only goal was to have people looking at me saying, while eating their sandwich or eating their french fries, 
looking at the TV, say, wait a minute, if you can do it, I can't. And then do it. I want to give people the opportunity to think that there's nothing that isn't possible here. If I do it, you should do the same way. I have no specific abilities. I have never danced. I never count one time. Never count one. The second time we did the show, we danced on, uh, I wanted to have Whitney Houston uh, song um, uh, from The Bodyguard. I Will Always Love You, I believe that's mm-hmm. the song. And yeah, and then um, there's no music. There's an acapella for, I don't know, 40 seconds. So now I put in trouble my professional partner that only works with one, two, you know, counts. I don't know what the hell is that is. I need to feel. If I don't feel, I don't dance. So I had the advantage. I could dance no problem on no music. I just need to feel it and they need to count. So it was a lot of issues like that that I realized, oh my God, I may have an advantage here. So every week for me, I wanted to have the audience looking at me say, he's a professional where I was a complete novice. And you'd never danced before. And never after. Why did you do Dancing with the Stars in the first place? <laughs> it's funny. Um, it's a funny question because I always think of my friend Donald Logue that I adore. Uh, one of my closest friends is a very prolific actor, very smart man, Harvard. What's up, Donald? And I called him. I was in my little one-bedroom apartment after, the, after Sex and the City got released. Um, my world exploded. Immediately was like crazy offers everywhere, movies, TVs, this, this, and that. And then um, they called me for Dancing with the Stars, so I had to, to say if I'm even interested. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because back then I'm like, I just shot a, uh, an episode of Nip Tuck with Vanessa Redgrave. She's acting royalty, so I'm like, I'm not going to do Dancing with the Stars. You know, I thought a little too much of myself at, the, at that moment. So my, I, I just, hold on a second, I hung up. And I pick up the phone. I say, Donald, they're asking me to do Dancing with the Stars. And there was no sound. He's a very, he's a theater actor. He's a very brilliant man. And there's no sound. I say, oh, he's going to tell me, like, what is this? And he's like, do it. I say, oh, why? He say, I want the American public to know what I know. I want them to know who you are. Oh, so I did it. And that's, why he start, that's how he started. Funny enough, I never said that to anyone. Well, we got an exclusive. Boom. If he's an exclusive. <laughs> well, that's great. So that was, that was a dancing thing, yeah. People probably don't know either the, the underlying message behind that, which I love, which mm-hmm. is you're just trying to show people that nothing is impossible. That was it. You just have to commit to it, right? That was it. And I met quite a bit of those people. <sighs> There's this older lady, Loretta Starr. I met her in Miami, uh, in Florida, I would say. I was doing a little ballroom in the twist show. She waited for me so long after. She was an older lady. And then we met and we chit-chat and I gave her my address because she said, I write letters. And it was already a time when we type everything. I write letters and I would love to keep in touch with you. We kept in touch with, with her, my wife and I. And she passed away not long ago. And man, I got a letter from, from her telling me she was going, when I get that letter, she would be now dead. And what I meant to her, for the rest of my life, I'm going to do this job. Because if I make one person happy, or I change one human being mind for, for the better, that's why we should, we should, actors, entertainers, should understand the value of that power. You have the power to do good things and make people feel better. Man, you don't use that, don't do this job. Mm. And that was my thought behind all my years of, of, um, of acting and, 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 and doing char- charity or, or doing things that, um, that, that, that rings a bell in my heart are essential for an actor. Because as soon as you seclude yourself and you think a little bit too much of yourself, you become what no one wants to see. When did you realize that um, impact and legacy were so important to you? He's got, he, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reminisce on on another dancing story. Uh, Lori became a friend of mine. She has a, I don't like to call that an handicap, but it is one. It's mobility. She, she's, she's a hard time to walk for for the longest time, and she had uh, goals and dreams. So she came to see me perform, 
And she waited. I, I could clearly see at the end of the show that there was a wheelchair here and she waited, if I can recall everything right, she, she wrote everything for me anyway. But she waited and, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna go meet this woman. And she, she put her hand, told me like, stop, don't move. And she stands up from this wheelchair. It, it took 10 minutes for her to get to me. And at minute one, I actually sit down and looked at her and said, I'm waiting for you. I'm truly waiting for you. I know what you're doing. You're showing me your strength and I'm really accepted. You're changing my life by those steps. And then she tells me what it means to her, that she feels like she's walking, she's alive when she watches us perform, particularly me. Imagine the power that you feel at that moment. And it's not like a vile power or something mean by any It's something that fills your heart with purpose. And I gave her my shoes. And there was the shoes that I danced, all my dances on Dancing with the Stars, or most of them. And I gave her the shoes, and somehow those shoes gave her the strength to somehow to give them, to give her the, uh, the thought that everything she thought she couldn't do was just in her mind. So now she's a prolific writer. And she takes care of her son that now is an adult. And, and she, she, she created that life that she always wanted. Only herself was stopping herself. So when you have that possibility to change someone, you better do it. And you don't have to be really an actor. You gotta be a mentor. You gotta be someone that goes out there and, and, and grind and try to help uh, other kids. Um, we have family ties here. Um, and I see how my, my, my friend Ike is, is working so hard on, on always trying to make the best for his family to the detriment of feeling crushed or, you know, and I see all those fathers around the world doing their job and changing the world for a better place. Mm. And they're not recognized enough. We only hear the horror story. Um, I'm, I'm a huge believer that there is way more good dad than bad dads. And we should be more vocal about it because we are doing an incredible job too. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a, it's a tough job, big responsibility. Of course. How do you mentor your own kids? I, uh, I give them choices. I don't give them orders. When there's an order is because they couldn't see and that's normal. It comes with, with, with learning through mistakes sometimes. I love to give them choices. I love to do uh, this, this and that. And if you want to take the jackass way, that's your deal. Mm -hmm. But you know, you can give a choice and you can guide them in the right way. I think the, 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 the most important for me is I, I never really pushed, look, and a lot of parents out there is going to say, how oh, dare he does that. I have never asked my kids to show me or prove me that they've done their homework or look at their grades once, mm -hmm. not once. And I will not do it. My daughter is still 14 years old. I'd love for her to have a B. She only needs straight A's. Whatever the hell she's doing, she's doing it right. But that's her deal. I give, their, I give them the responsibility to be responsible at a very young age. And if you're not, that's the kind of human being you want to be. Consequences will come up. You can always guide them. I, I never really put my claws on them. And somehow, somehow, most of my friends say, man, how? And I don't know, maybe that's the right way to do. Maybe it's not. Maybe those kids were, were geared to be less guided. And, and I have a daughter, her passion is to help any kid with disabilities. She will do the 10 hours of, of work with homework. And the, her deal is to take care of, of kids with Down syndrome. And I have plenty of videos and photos that I would never post, it doesn't matter, of her doing work. Teachers calling me say, what you doing to this kid for her to be so focused on helping others? Nothing. Respect is number one. There's no disrespect in my house or someone getting cracked. I just can't stand that. I grew up in a place where um, if you raise your voice or you look at your parents in a different way, you cracked. A whip on, whatever they call it, right? <laughs> Tupac said in one of his songs. And in Dear Mama. But... Uh, I personally feel that, that give, them, give them space, 
love them, show them and teach them respect. Send them. Our only responsibility as father is to make sure we are producing good, productive kid that will not destroy this planet already that is already such in crazy shape. Yeah, that is amazing. It seems like it would take more guidance than 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 just giving them this freedom mm. for them to be so self motivated and so selfless. In the case of your daughter, right? Yeah, the, it's it, she's she's really like that. And and not long ago, I'm like always to my. I always joke about, I got to do a DNA test on this one because she's too amazing. And then my mother says, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? That was you when you were young. Mm. And I never told my daughter to do so. So maybe there's some traces of like who you are passes on automatically without telling them. Maybe. I always, I always um, get myself in trouble just because I couldn't stand bullying. For me, who's the sarcasm, bullying stuff. No, I was becoming, I was really, I come from a place you don't talk, you act, and then you get in trouble. Mm. So that was more how I grew up. Um, but I always, I really despise um, disparity and and judgmental people and, and specifically, uh, um, I know and I'm aware of colors, like yours and mine and, African-American, Indian, whatever. I'm aware of it. I know there's colors. I know there's differences. I know there's problem that needs to be fixed. I never lived my life focusing on what is that about. And by doing so, when I came to America here, somehow they looked at, you don't speak English, but I'm giving you, I'm giving you a shot. The, the, the goal of the way we're going to eradicate I will say the world is strong, but racism and disparity is by simply stopping uh, uh, the way we think and just giving opportunities to whoever. Show me you can do it. I don't care what you are and where you're from. Show me you can do what you say you're going to do. And that person, I don't care what color or likes he comes from. If he gives me what we, we ask them to do as the owner of a, a company or whatnot, that's all you need. I don't care. What, I don't want to know what you did before. I don't care where you come from. You're telling me you're doing this for me and I'm going to employ you for that. I give a chance to anyone. And that should be there. It should be logic. Mm -hmm. We live in such a weird world where a certain community, of course, the white community, is holding to their life to progress. What is wrong with you? By the way, by doing so, those people are hurting me because in the end of the day, I look very much white. So they're not serving anyone who wants to have peace and freedom and, and moving forward. They're just hurting us. They need to stop. They're misogynistic some, for some. Uh, we were talking about Weinstein a couple of minutes ago. Um, th there's a lot of things that needs to be logically changed without violence and hatred. Mm. Dude, you live in the past. If you want to stay in the past, get an off-grid in the place and never show up again. We're here and we're all moving forward. Enough is enough. Let's change things. And believe, it, believe me, you just gave me a pair of glasses that says change on it. So I'm going to share, cherish that. Well, you touched on a couple of things there. One, going back to what you're saying about your kids. Uh, as a parent, you really have to be a role model and realize that they are watching you every second. Mm. You don't have to tell them, do this, do that. They're watching you and taking their cues from you. So that's probably, I imagine, where your kids are, are getting a lot of that because... <laughs> It's funny you say that. I'm going to throw myself under the, under the <laughs> bus. Um, I usually, uh, I, I always saw, first was my son. He's 21 years old now. And getting, getting the, the FBI is a straight arrow human being. I have never seen my son doing any type of drugs. And I would be the one to say, come on, have a drink. And he's like, no, I don't need that to be funny. Like he would slam me down. Uh, anything physical I've done with him, I always push the envelope too much. I was the kid. He was six years old. He was telling me, no, Dad, don't grab that snake. This one would kill you. And he would grab the one that doesn't kill. He was all, I was always, I played the idiot of the village to give my son uh, maybe a false sense of, I got to be here for my dad. But he worked out. My son has incredible respect for me. I never really understood why. Very like my dad. Yet, 
it always was. It always was the balanced one. I always was the one. I um, two inch away of death in this cliff, and my son would say, "Dad, don't go that way." <laughs> that true story happens in Bora Bora and everything else. Always calming me down, making me so. I always love to be a bit extreme with them when it comes down to physical activities and craziness. The way they always thought that, oh, that is cool. Maybe too cool. It's dangerous. It's dangerous that we stay without that. my dad today. Yeah, yeah. The ATV uh, backwards jumping uh, over trees, not maybe the right thing to do. But I was doing those things. So you can see also the craziness of another human being that he adore. And by himself, he was looking at, oh, that could be bad for me. So I didn't have to tell him, don't do it. I was doing it for him. It's another trick. Somehow it worked for me. I didn't die or anywhere. But I always had the, a weird way to, um, to present to my kids stuff for them not to do it. And sometimes I was doing it for them, for them to see, oh, well, maybe we can do that. Hmm. I know it's weird. I never said that again. I don't think <laughs> even my buddy Ike uh, knows that, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two firsts. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I want to go back a little bit to you coming up. Uh, you spent most of your childhood working in your dad's bakery, mm -hmm. and then you joined the French army. And interestingly, this is one of those tidbits that I found, that the French army has a special forces unit. They're actually firefighters in Paris. You're the first one in 23 years who tells me that. I, I'm always the one telling that. It's true fact. Mm -hmm. In the, the French uh, army, and a lot of people could maybe laugh about it, but we have, we have what, what's called the foreign legion. You talk about conflict and destabilizing countries. The French Legion is the mercenary of the French army. They're doing what they need to do. No one asks them questions. They're very violent and do what they need to do. Like the super, like, I'm going to kill you special forces here, right? Uh, we have the people for war is that. Then you have the Green Beret, right? And then, and then somehow we have the firefighters. And people would be, what? The only special forces on the earth that do not kill people saves them. So why not will be a special forces? People will realize the special forces when you get incorporated, when you realize, oh, this is not a joke. I'm going to die here. This is disciplinary. This is hard. Yeah, because your job is going to be the decision of having someone living or dying. Not only your job is going to be the one who you're going to kill something. That was the difference. So why not calling someone super special forces because they're saving someone? They should. Mm. And they did. Um, the curriculum, your mindset, your body shape, all the way to your looks, it's, the triage isn't absurd. I got there. I was like, I am not in shape. I am not the best looking or any of the things that you may think at 18 years old. What is this alien place? Everybody's impeccable. Everybody is like a super soldier. So that's how they, they have the best firefighter army in the world. How did you get selected for that? Did, did you want to do that? Yeah, two things happened. Um, before becoming, before you, 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 you get drafted, because I was the last year or you were forced to be in the army. Mm -hmm. So you have to choose something. So most of the kids, they, they go to the incorporation and they're like, oh, they do this thing. So they get P4, meaning they're crazy. They don't care what happened with their job later on because no, not everybody understands they do that. So nobody wanted to go to the army. So one of the uh, uh, lieutenants, let's say, okay, you're going to write three things that you want to do in the army. Most people went on answering. So I wrote down BSPP, La Brigade des sapeurs pompiers de Paris, firefighters in Paris. Second, firefighter in Paris. Third choice, firefighter in Paris. He comes to me. Of course, he makes fun of me in front of everyone. So you're stupid. You don't understand what I said. It's three choices. I said, no, I'm not stupid. This is my three choices. I said, oh, and he took my paper. So then they try me physically because you got to be, I was the height and I was the physicality, but can you do something? I always was very fast on the soccer field. So I was uh, 11 to 100 meter at one point when I was really young. So it was really fast for them. So, okay, he's got physical abilities. And I was only two people from the south of France that was drafted. And I was one of them. So my oh. father was really happy and proud. He died uh, by the time I came back, but at least he saw me doing it. How large is that force? 
Ouest. 76 stations. Mm. I would say at least maybe 10 to 15,000 people because it's 76 stations in Paris. Yeah. If you have a problem in Paris and the firefighter are coming, no, they would come really fast. They'd be very effective. And if you're about to dive there, they have everything to start like, like literally, if it's not a heart, uh, heart surgery, open heart surgery, they will fix you there. There's, there's from the sapper, the guy from, to the doctor, everybody comes. And it's funny because here sometimes, I love the firefighters there. They, they, they're amazing. They look amazing to the Frenchman. We look at the firefighters and wow, the giant trucks and everything. What I always was wondering is like, there's, let's say a cat in a tree. It's not really happening a lot like that anyway, but something so futile. It will be four trucks, six cars, and the entire street blocked for a thing that we would come with one sprint van. It's called a VSL in France. And three guys inside, four maybe. That's it. So I was like, why are they bringing so much trucks for this? It's not even an accident. Somebody felt really bad for five minutes. It's amazing, the, this American machine that I was not used to when I came here and looked at how the firefighters were working. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God. I, I, always, I always see it, say, what happened here? Because I have to be intrigued. I used to be a firefighter. What happened here? Oh, this homeless man, he's been talking you know, to himself and there's six trucks. Why? I'm asking you guys, why? Protocol maybe? Because you're spending a lot of money that you shouldn't. That's what I want to say. Yeah. Well, I imagine in, in France, in, in yeah. Paris, in the unit that you're in, it's, it's running very military and efficient and lean, which is the way special forces do it, right? One time I took six, seven days uh, arrest, like, you know, jail, whatever they call it. Because my <laughs> you suitcase. were in jail for six or seven days? Is that what you're... Yeah, a couple of times. Because it's, it's insubordination. Uh, the guy oh. showed me, and because I'm from the South, I was coming back from my, from my time off, and he's like, what is this Southern uh, way to dress? And I don't know why, 18 years old, I, tell, I told a 50-year-old man, I don't, I don't say anything about the way you dress. Oh, yeah. Seven days. That was wow. silly. That was silly. But uh, it's, it's, it's hard. Uh, it's, my father tell me, told me, uh, and I really fought hard against it. He said, you live as a child and you're going to the hardest military service in France. You're going to come back as a man. And the entire time I said, I was already a man. I was already a man. Little did I know, I learned a lot there. And my father was absolutely right. I was a child. I became a man because you have to live with others. And the, that, when you're a kid, you don't know. You have yeah. this thing at home, you know. Gosh. Yeah. And then you fell into photography and decided to become a model. Well, I, Fred Goudon uh, became one of my closest friends. Uh, was a photographer. He was 28. I was 18 years old. And he took some pictures of me a week before, a couple of days before I, I was enlisting into the service. And the photo came out. Be good. And then so many agencies like, hey, we want him. Well, now he's bold and he's a firefighter. Uh, we don't care. We like even more. So I didn't realize that. So I, I did photos. I did really my service. My father passed away after that. So I had to be with my dad. Because of that, the click happened that I felt very, I felt like I was in a, in a giant jail in France because of political reason, because of, of, of desire reason and goals. I had goals. So I say, what can I do to, to, to do what I wanted to do in life? I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in life because where I'm from, you don't have a lot of dream or aspiration. You just go with the flow. Um, so they, um, I, I took 470 bucks, bucks and I came to Miami. And when my father passed away and the government took everything away from my mom with a bakery and, and all the difficulty she had, I said, I'm not happy here. So I just, uh, with not a word of English, took a flight. In Miami, it's warm. So if I had to sleep outside, I would not have photos. Yeah. That was the thought behind it. <laughs> well, and that's, so that was the beginning of your Hollywood career. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, when I got to Miami, I, um, I realized how Americans are. 
uh, I met this man, Henry, uh, had a tattoo from Auschwitz in his forearm. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for an apartment to, to stay. And I had my 470 bucks. That was the first day that I went there. The second day, uh, first night, I, I slept at a contact that I had. And next thing you know, uh, this man, I come from a place where you don't trust anything or anyone. Everybody's there to take something away from you. So my mindset was, had to be a snake because everybody's like cobra. So I'm a young snake. Where are the cobras? Everywhere. And there's a man telling you like, no, don't worry. You look, you look the part, man. You can move in. I have nothing. I have a bag. You can move in. You can pay me when you want. Now I'm like, I want to die here. They're going to cut me in pieces, right? No, no. No, this man did that. This old man that, God bless his soul, he passed away at least 10 years ago. And he gave me an opportunity to not sleep outside. That was America first day for me. I realized people will give you an opportunity. And then they check it out. They don't go like, hmm, where are you from? Ooh, you from that neighborhood? Mm, no, no, no. How many times I heard that in my life when I was a kid? So that was none of that. It was, what do you say? Oh, let me use my French because you can understand me. I would try to give him the money. He said, no, we got a job, we got a life. And when you can pay me, you pay me. Pay tenfold. Mm. And it changed my way of seeing, seeing other men and women, seeing other people. And nothing else was beautiful for me after that. Everything was incredible for the opportunity that I got um, from meeting uh, um, Will Smith at the Delano Hotel while I was waiting table. At 5 a.m. I was setting up the table. I was working at the Delano Hotel, the Pizza Via D'Aleo at night balance, three different restaurants, three different shifts. My son was arriving to this world. I was bleeding from my, from my um, side of my leg because I was chafing. I was walking so much every day. That's what you need to do when you come to America. You work till you drop dead because you need to prove to everybody you're worth being here. Mm. You learn the language, you learn the culture, and you assimilate yourself. You shut up and you move forward. And when you become American, and like I did in 2012, and there's some things you want to change, then you can finally open your mouth. But before, you work. This is exactly what we have um, as issue nowadays. Most people that I know, or all people that I know that immigrated from other places have the same mentality. Let's go. Let's prove ourselves. Mm. Nobody comes here and say, okay, wait, hold on a second. It's not like France. In France, they're like, you can come do nothing. They give you money. I understand the concept. It's unfortunately something that would never happen here. But here you come here and you work. Huh? Mm. Otherwise, you don't survive. Huh? That's how I saw it. This is what I did. So if somebody knows something else, please enlighten me. But last time I checked, you have to work to make it happen here. So I was attracted to that. I was attracted to get up and work. My father did that all his life. What would I do different? Hmm. It's like you were saying before, it's about the integrity of it. There's opportunity, unlimited opportunity, for anybody that's willing to put in the hard work. Yeah. And, and that is the only metric that you should be judged by. Yes. Yeah. The only, you, you said it with the right words, right. the only metric you need to be judged by, by, by what you do. Um, and, and I did what I could. Yeah. Well, speaking of doing, I know you to be somebody who's very passionate about change and social issues, using your voice and, and the audience that you've amassed mm -hmm. as a celebrity. Um, tell me about a time, a pivotal time in your life when change was so important to you. I was trying not to get political, but I'm going to have to because that's the only freaking thing that comes to my brain. Uh, somebody gave me a T-shirt with a yellow T-shirt. I'm sure I can find that online somewhere. With Barack Obama's face on and because he was uh, trying to become the president of the United States. And look, I was getting bashed because... Bush was president. And I know it wasn't fair from, from the French community, but the French community, when Bush became president, they had that thing of making fun of American politics. How couldn't you do this? Oh my God, we can laugh a lot now but about it, but how could you? Know, but, 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 so it was a lot of um, animosity toward my choices of wanting to become American or wanting to become uh, part of this society. So it was always difficult for you. You should not care, but you... 
I cared. Uh, going back there, getting assaulted and this and that, and everybody was pointing finger. It was difficult for me to even fight back because, of course, the administration was not doing the thing that were usual, like in the time of Clinton, you know, maybe they were hiding better the things. I don't know. No matter what the reason, it was really odd. And the French community was more like, oh, this racist country, the way they were handling themselves. And, you know, of course, the Twin Tower happened. So there was a, a, a culture and a, a religion that was pointed finger at. Remember, that culture and religion is massive in France. The Muslim community is massive. So I grew up in places where you're pretty much the only French family in it. So understand how much shit I got when Bush was, Bush was president. And I was fighting it. He's not saying this and that. This is an attack, American. You slap me, I don't turn my cheek like in, in the Bible. I slap you back. That's how they do it. And maybe you should do the same, right? They're not passive in America. So I was fighting this. And then Barack Obama became the president. So imagine the hold my beer moment. Hey, guys, who's your president? Because last time I checked, we have 10 to 15% minority in America. And the boss of the world is one of those minority. Can you open your mouth now? So now, one morning after another, America became this accepting, beautiful place for eight years. For the world. Mm-hmm. Not for the people in America. For the people in America, um, national politics is very different. But for the world, the image of someone so... So the impossibility... Again, Tupac made a huge mistake when he said that it's not, it, not yet we're going to have a black presence day. It was wrong. It was around the corner, dude. You just died in too early. But it was wrong. We had a black president for eight years. I thought America was in a place of untouchable. And we were wrong because a lot of things went very different in different places. But um, at least for eight years, I was really proud of, of saying. So that was a very pivotal moment for me to be able to stand and become American under the Obama administration also meant a lot to me. In 2012, I became American. And to me, it was important. I fought so hard. I paid, I'm not going to say the amount, but absurd amount of taxes just to make sure that I can be accepted, that I can be looked at. We were right. I always think about the first person who validate my visa out of like Arkansas or whatever it was in like a small state or not a small, but a state far away. I always thought like, man, that person, the man, that woman can be like, I'm the one who say yes. Look at it now. I was always feeling that, thinking of those little crazy things. It's important to me, man. Um, America holds a very dear place to my heart. I, I don't like when people bash it. And I absolutely understand when people try to change it. Because change is in the essence. Otherwise, we're going to have a, a civil war. I don't know what the hell was going to happen next, but we need change. And through love, through music, through, um, through education, number one, I think we can make this happen. Yeah, you're right. When Barack Obama became president, that was a big deal around the world. The world. And here in the United States, it, there were groups that were very mad about it. So. I understand. I understand. You know, it, it was funny in a way if I, I don't want to be too political because there's also 40% of the population who really dislike what I'm about to say. But the truth is, it was okay for a lot of people to say, okay, 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 we're going to have a black bear. I can't take it. As soon as a woman came up, uh, no, no. So we also saw the, that issue. It was right in front of our eyes. Like, a lot of people, and I know I heard it from an old man carrying a shotgun in the middle of the country. He heard my accent and he was really, really upset, man. And he said, we already have a neighbor. I'm going to be nice. We already have a neighbor telling me what to do. I don't want one with an accent. Because I was asking to this guy, he said, you should put your gun away because he was kind of holding his gun close to us because one of the group that we were with was a black man. And I'm like, newsflash, oh God, and that was a while ago now. Uh, I'm not safe here. Why? 
What did I do here that I don't do over there? What is this prejudice? Why are you so upset about us driving mo motorcycle and pickup? Uh, it was a, a fruit stand in the middle of nowhere. I have a photo of this dude because I was like, this is insane. <laughs> you have a shotgun. You're allowed to have a shotgun in your hand and saying some nasty stuff to us. It's 30 of us and you're alone. I mean, he had no care. And I realized, oh, there's a real, real issue here. And little by little, I paid attention more and more and more. And we are today where we are because, because for eight years of President Obama, most white community said that. Okay, we have a black president now. Leave me alone. Versus. Nice to meet you. Let's talk. Let's merge. Let's be one. No. They went back to their little cave and say, I can't wait to be over. And then I can show my true colors. We made a mistake. We all made a massive mistake. It's not because Barack Obama became the president that racism ended. I made that mistake of going and show off in France. Say, what are you talking about now? Huh? Look at your president in France. Uh, in my mind, I was, we won. I was wrong. We didn't pay attention to our neighbors. We didn't pay attention to different cultures and races and color. We made everything, oh, it's good now. Don't talk about it anymore. What a mistake. Yeah. We paid a price greatly, and we're still suffering it today. Yeah, because it seems like the politics went, just swung way in the other direction. And it did. And it, <clears> was, <throat> it was shocking to me. I was, it was shocking to me. Yeah. The reasons why were shocking to me. Not because we have a white man in power. I don't care about that. If you're a good man, I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. I don't want to look at your face. I want to look at what you're saying in, in, in your proposition. But who does that? You vote more for Dancing with the Stars than you're voting for an election until this one. So, Well, what are the most important issues in your mind that we need to focus on today? The only issue we have is education. Education. Everything else is up to us to fix it. It's easy. Like, oh, you want to... We have a thing in the, in the firefighters. Uh, oh, you have a problem with it? Hold on a second. Take whatever you have that is too heavy. Boom, boom. You fight and then let's have a coffee. What's your name? At least we move forward. Hmm. If you're upset at me and you hate me, just unload it. That means you don't have to fight. You can just unload it. And then maybe I can talk. And then you can talk again. But that became like an impossible thing uh, with all this conspiracy theory, all these absurd things that they put on people's mind. Nothing can move forward. And guess who wants not you to move forward? Massive big corporations. I'm not having a... a, a it's not a secret. It's... Divide to conquer. It's there for thousands of years. Mm. It's logical. If you make two groups of people hate each other for no freaking reason, like a soccer game, nothing else than silly than that, you control everyone. You control everyone. It's that simple. I always wanted to do politics, but I would be schlum immediately. I have no interest of getting anything. That is what a politician should, should be. No interest of getting anything. Charles Neger did it. Mm -hmm. He only had to prove he was a good person. How about we're looking for people like that versus like career politician or complete idiot? I, I, I'm not going to go there, but <laughs> it, it's, I'm, it, there's a lot of good people and we can really move forward uh, in a beautiful way. It's just up to us to, um, and so education is the number one thing that needs to be fixed in this country because I'm looking at those young kids nowadays. If you know how to read, you don't need no, no school. That's why my... My, the, the, the ancient people used to say, so it's important for me to, if I ever get involved in any type of politics, would we'll be very much concentrated on education. Because if you give kids and the population education, we will still lead the world. The more we're going to suppress that education with those problems with public school and private school, and, and this is where you discriminate everyone because brilliant minds in the ghettos are way stronger than anywhere else. They know the concept of getting after something at age three. We need those people to lead the world tomorrow. So we need to give them the education. By suppressing their education, you keep the same rhetoric and we're not going to move forward. Hmm. So education is the solution to, to, to mend what's hurting this country right now. Yeah, clearly. Drive around the country. You'd be shocked. You'd be shocked. Ask hmm. 
it's it's a it's a, it's a double whammy. Look, the most incredible colleges in the world are in America, yet they're not accessible. And if you want to access them, you're going to pay for the rest of your life a loan that you should never have. How could you tell me that a country made a business out of educated people, where if you have educated people, you will end up leading the world? It's a false sense of, of, of making money. This is more than greed. It's a manipulation to really destroy this empire that is nothing else than beautiful. We need to educate everyone. It doesn't matter. It will be still trash men. It will still be people working at McDonald's. Don't worry. Don't worry. Nothing will change there because people will worry. Everybody's smart, so nobody's going to want to do those jobs. No, everybody who's going to do those jobs. Immigration will do those jobs. Have you flying over America? It's freaking empty. People need to stop thinking, we are overloaded. No, no. We're just racist. Well, I want to thank you for... Uh, your support of the Change Foundation. Oh my God. Talk about the Change Foundation. The reason why I'm here sitting here. You're telling me that we're going to educate kids? That we're going to give the opportunity of kids who live traumatic events? Because PTSD is it's not only given to people that just witness war or crime. It, it, it's a lot more than that. It's childhood. It's suppression. You know how many kids from South Central that have never seen the ocean? You'd be very surprised. I talked to a police officer who showed me and told me that I was in shock. We're in 2020. Everybody should have at least uh, an education. Then, we, then we're good. Then we're good. And the Change Foundation, giving, giving scholarship to those kids. Life scholarships. Life scholarship. Giving them opportunity to be like any other kid that had the means because their parents did something I don't know, whatever they did, that they had the opportunity to do it. No, education is for everybody. And if someone is against that because they want to make a couple of dollars, they need to move out of the way. They need to disappear. Yeah. What does the change concert mean to you? Un renouveau. A new beginning. Uh, it's time. It's time. I thought, I really thought through the, through the history of the African-American culture that I really thought in 2000 that we fixed the issue. Uh, imagine the first time I come here. First day I come to America, I land, and I see with my little mindset of growing up in project, a black man driving in a Ferrari? It doesn't exist where I'm from. And immediately I say, this country doesn't judge. I was so blinded. I was, wow, it became a Disneyland if you're six years old. No one can stop you. Only you can stop you. I really felt that way. This, that was incredible to, for me to see. Little did I know, it was a lot of things under the rocks that I really didn't pay attention or had the courage to look under. And that is the job of every white person in America. Look under that rock and see what really happens. Mm. Uh, I, there's a lot of movies that explain exactly what it is. And somehow, I don't know, maybe people don't watch them or they think it's science, science fiction. What but, did you uh, discover at the time? Um, well, it depends on what time. Because at one point in my life, I thought that this is the absolute most advanced, most one nation together uh, in the world. And, and then we are shocked and, and we literally bitch slapped and we need to be confronted with our mistakes. My unwillingness of, of realizing this is real. We, we didn't win any battles here. People were just silent and couldn't wait to wake up and show this vile, educated, uh, under this vein of, of this is not America. If there's any show that needs to be done, is this is not America, and you're going to explore and put on flash the, those people who are making us not be uh, one. And, and I'm baffled by it. I don't know where we should start, but I'm pretty sure there's very smart people that are thinking right now, what should we do? Uh, I promise you, man, if kids are educated, three generations from now, they will have in books bullying. 
are bullying. Back in the Middle Age, 1995-2000, we used to do those stupid. We need to have that in books. We need to have in books racism. What is racism? I can't wait for humans to not remember what racism is. And that is only going to come from education and it will fade away. Mm. I see more interracial couple than ever. Um, I see more uh, unity than ever because we live in a place where it's kind of normal. You go across the street, you're like, what do you mean? If you hold hands with another man, you be stoned. Where are we here? It, it's, a, it's a double machine that I, that I fortunately, if I can say there's one thing that this administration now we have, not the one that just got elected, but the administration for, for four years that we had gave us, is realizing that we have a problem. That was, thank you for your service. Now I know where we are, for real. It really highlighted a lot highlighted. of the problems and the uh, the true sentiment of a lot of this country, unfortunately. We need change. And if you guys to go through music to attract every form and likes and and, and every uh, uh, um, social, uh, uh, money-wise, whatever it is, if music is the key to bring everybody together, we know that since the time of In the Cave, huh? then so be it. If people are not smart enough to sit down and, and talk about things and we need music to have change, let's do this. Let's do this fast. I need it. I want to live in a peaceful world. I want to die, look at my kids and my grandkids or my great-grandkids, hopefully. I want them to laugh at me how silly and backwards we were. I can't wait for that. I'd be so happy and laughing about it. I know I lived it. Sure. Well, let's look for that to happen sooner or later. Sooner would be great. Well, here we are in the middle of a global pandemic. Mm -hmm. The only reason you and I are able to sit here like this without masks on is because we've both been recently tested. Yeah, so there you go. Hopefully that's good enough for right now. Yeah, we're good. I mean, I'm good. I'm I'm good. Listen, (laughs) um, that global pandemic is not scaring me as much as uh, maybe a lot of people. Mm. Put in perspective, I have two buddies of mine in Europe who passed away and my aunt. Mm. Um, All of them were very sick at first by something else. Uh, Most people I know had the coronavirus, not most, all of them besides the three in Europe, all had absolutely no issue. One of which, we all thought if she gets the coronavirus, she will die in the blink of an eye. Lupus all this disease, all this problem she has, no problem. So it's not that I'm like, please, I don't care. I'm going to spread it. No, no, no. I, I do everything that needs to be done um, of what they're saying that uh, it will help. Clearly after eight months, it didn't. Yeah. So I have, I have a very different mindset when it comes down to pandemic. My, my mom and I thought that We've been talking a lot with my mom. My mom is 69 years old. She still work uh, uh, helping um, the elderly to, you know, eat and wash. And that's a job, you know, she's a caretaker in, in those homes where everybody got caught, corona and died. There was 32 people in where she uh, worked and all of them died. All of them died. My mother without a kidney and no immune system somehow didn't catch it. Long story short, even with all that and her sister dying of the coronavirus, that she even bury her, right? They just close the door, gone. All with all this drama, my mom says, what's wrong with governments? Why don't they focus on the one with underlying uh, uh, condition and the old people? And those people, you protect them. You leave them inside home. You make sure that you don't go see them. You give different protocols. We will spend no money. We shut the entire planet destroy every economy possible in the world. And yet, you didn't fix anything. We're going back, my mom go back to quarantine in France two days ago, three days, last Friday. So it doesn't work. How about we putting all the last resources we have and protect the people who will die from it? Everybody that goes down into the normal life, sign a piece of paper, I cannot sue my studio, I cannot, because it's all about suing here. Like if I get corona, it's your fault. No, if you get corona, it's your fault. 
all my friends who got corona, it's their fault. If you know there's a virus, you don't want to get it, then you, you stay inside your bedroom and done. That's it. You're doing your own thing. And if you get it, don't complain. That's it. Don't complain. If I'm here, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. If I get the virus, I get the virus. I'm not going to say, oh, somebody gave it to me. I'm not going to blame anyone. Specifically, they kept blaming those kids. We're the same age. Or maybe I'm much older. I don't know. But we seem like the same generation. The 90s, we were young kids, right? <laughs> Where is it that you tell me and you, summer 1992, you're going to stay home. You're going to shut up. You're going to respect everything. Uh, how about F you? We didn't have the machine. We, didn't, we only have human contact. It would have been a revolution back then because we didn't have the internet and all the things that they do. I only see my, my daughter losing her face color because she spent from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. in the same room looking at the same screen every day of her life except the weekend. And the weekend, oh, oh, oh shh, you stay home. And if you don't stay home, like, like you go into, I don't know, Halloween stuff. It, it's, it's crazy. We need to really focus on how could we restart safely an economy that just went, stop everything, versus, oh, whoa, 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 who's hurt? How can we help? How could we be very active about it? I may be wrong, but I really believe that if we are focused on real problems, the real issue with the real people that will, that will die and did die. Because if somebody comes, oh, this 17-year-old kid died, okay, what happened? Because in France, with the numbers and in Europe, out of the same amount of people here, very, very, very few cases of someone healthy having an issue with that because they didn't know they have a heart issue or whatnot. It's too much to me. Mm. Uh, um, um, we're all losing our lifeline. Mm -hmm. um, I'm amazed you do this. I'm, I'm very proud of you. You find a way to do this and survive. I, kudos to you, man. But a lot of people, including myself, we are stopped and there's nothing we can do except waiting. I can't wait no more. You know, I help my friend and this and that, try to make hands meet, but it's not going to last. This is not the same. So maybe we should really pay attention to people who need it and leaving uh, the one that healthy and young and proactive and smart and we'll wear their mask and we'll, we'll do whatever the f you want, but give us our job backs. Yeah. Open things. It's time to be smart. Uh, if uh, you have a family of 10 and your grandmother lives there, the government will give you the money and you stay home. You stay home. You, you stay home. My mom was rough. She will tell you, and she's older. Everybody, oh, you stay home. We give you three times the money that you make. You stay home. You know how many people will say, oh, yeah. Yeah, they would have spent 8% of what we spend yet if we focused on the people who needed it. What's wrong with us? I don't know. Maybe I'm very wrong, but that's my opinion. Well, the pandemic has created a lot of uh, challenges, certainly, and opportunities for people. I know for me, there's tons of opportunities that have come, come uh, about from it. Uh, so what are you most excited about now to close this out? Um, I, um, I have a dream of seeing the world like I used to see it not long ago. And that became a dream because the way we're going, I feel more like this massive hands coming down on the people. And I'm afraid of that. I'm not afraid of a lot of things. I'm just, freedom is a very, freedom is on a thin line, very fragile. And I believe finding these kind of issues makes any type of government or entity to be able to make us more sheepish and controlled. I have a dream of having people again in the most normality because coming out of this pandemic and seeing normality again, nothing ever will be taken for granted or at least the people who lived it. I think we're going to be uh, different with, other, with the people that serves us. We're going to look at it in a very different light. We're going we're gonna to see... Um, uh, from nurses to firefighters to all the people that had to go through it, including my sister who works for the mayor in Cannes that never had a day of quarantine. 
she was on the field every day with the possibility of catching something. Yes, that may not have hurt her, but still, some people don't want to deal with it. And, and I think that the, the, what I want to see is normality. I will dream of a normality. I never say dream. I always say goals. This became a dream because I'm afraid of not going back to normal. And that would hurt me and the different generation afterwards. We need to have that social human contact and love. And that was stripped out of us. I need to go back to that. I feel a little bit empty without it. To tell you the truth. Well, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. One, one safe person at a time. Well, Gilles, where can we find out, uh, catch up with you, connect with you? Social media and such. And your handle is? Yeah, the handle. Gilles Marini. First, Everything. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so old that when social media was created, no one took Gilles Marini. So I have it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, Gilles Marini, Instagram or, or, or Twitter or Facebook, or, you know, all that good thing. All right. Well, Gilles, thank you very, very much My pleasure. for spending the time. Thank you, Jay. Very enlightening lightning and very fun. I hope, I hope I don't get too much of this, but hey, you know what? It's who I am. I'm sorry. Just speaking your truth. Thank you. I love it. This thank you cool, so man. much. Thank you. I appreciate it.